Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health. Your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor, because a healthy body is a sexy body. Hello there, modern lovers, and get ready to get healthier in your love life. Our guest tonight has written a book called The No BS Guide to Life. He's a new kind of therapist who talks openly about his own shortcomings, his revelations, views, on relationships and the world, and a lot of people are leaping out of the blogosphere eager to work with him. John Kim has sessions in coffee shops, on walks around a lake, online with people from all over the world, and he's come up with a revolutionary way to help people to change. In The Angry Therapist, his debut book, he shares his radical new approach to creating a life of growth and change. And he sees himself as more than a lifestyle designer, as more of a lifestyle designer. Let's get that right, rather than a traditional therapist. And he helps people create personal growth about real love. And you know that's what we're all about here at Modern Love. We know that real love accelerates when you have the right tools in your toolbox. So we've got all the tools you could use from trainings, to our mastermind member, mentorship program, to coaches training, and to training for couples or people looking for love. We bring together our secret sauce, psychology, science, spirituality, to create massive changes in your love life. doesn't matter where you are on that love journey. If you're recovering from a breakup, looking for a breakthrough, healing a relationship that has broken down, or if you want to create success because love is octane in your tank, that's what we've got. So you can visit us at www.drbrendaway.com or I would love it, love it, love it if you would join me and work with me in person in our training academy here in San Francisco. We have an upcoming training. You could put this on the calendar and sign up right now, May 13th. Marcy Shimoff, best-selling author who sold over 15 million books in 33 countries, is going to be our guest, and Marcy is going to talk about being happy and loving for no reason. So very quickly, let's start with the Dr. Brenda question. I love your questions. Keep them coming. 
This one says, Dear Dr. Brenda, my daughters are attractive young women, both doing well in their careers. Uh, Melanie, who's 27, is married to Paul, a very attractive, successful man. My other daughter's 30. She's been divorced for a year. Her marriage fell apart because she and her husband were having an open marriage. I was disturbed about that, but more than that horrified to find out that Melanie also allows her husband, oh, whoa, allowed her sister to have sex with Paul. Okay, so let's get that right. Hmm. One of the sisters was sleeping with the other one's husband. I can't believe these girls are my daughters. Should I protest or let it go? All right, so here's the deal. Mom, I hate to tell you this. It's none of your business. There is nothing you can say or do. These are adults in charge of their own lives. They get to do what they want to do. And you don't need me to say it, but I'm going to say it. If there's anything they need to learn about having an open marriage, they're learning it right now and probably in a very painful way. They don't need you to pile on with making them wrong. All right? So let it go and swim in your own lane. So talk about unconventional. That family isn't the only one. John Kim practices complete authenticity, transparency with his clients, lives in Los Angeles, and he makes videos on his phone, rides his motorcycle, does CrossFit, and his work has been covered in the Atlantic hyphen psychology today, mindbodygreen.com, and NPR. John is making it his mission to remove the wall separating therapist from client, and he has written a brand new book that's just come out, and we'll tell you more about that in a minute. But first, let's welcome John Kim. Hello, John. Welcome to Modern Love. Thank you, Dr. Brenda. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. I am fascinated by what you've done. Now, why did you come up with the idea of the angry therapist? What's an angry therapist? Yeah, so, well, first, can I just say um, great advice on that, that first one? I think you hit that out of the park. I think so many uh, would, would be fast to judge the situation, um, but you told moms to swim in her own lane, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, that's <laughs> – speaking as a mother myself, you know, one of the things I do know is that experience is a much better teacher once you come of age. And yeah, as much as – it's tempting to want to jump in there with so-called advice. That's really not what grown-ups need, and that's part right. of why you do what you do. So right. how did you get to the angry, the angry therapist? Because I yeah, love that. So, um, thank you. So um, people ask me why I'm angry, and it's because um, as a therapist, I'm, I was trained to just listen, 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 not give perspective or opinion. And that process of becoming a therapist injected fear into me where I couldn't uh, help people the way I really wanted to. And so I created a blog called The Angry Therapist, and I pulled the curtain back, and I practiced transparency. I started documenting my own life. I was going through a divorce at the time, so I was just telling people that, you know, I'm not perfect. I'm hurting. I have issues, etc. And uh, I started to help people in unconventional ways. So uh, like you mentioned, you know, walks around lakes at the park, uh, inside CrossFit boxes. And I just decided if we're going to talk about life, let's do life while we're talking. And they really responded to that, and they thought it was effective. 
and refreshing. And so I got super excited about this new approach, this new way. And so now my mission is to, to change the way we change. Oh, I love it. I think this is so exciting. Now, for you, when you started to pull back the curtain, because, you know, you're breaking the rules, the tabula rasa, the blank screen, that old school therapy is all about. You're not a real person. You're just, you know, the screen or the clinician sitting in the room. What did you notice was most frustrating? And I'm kind of leading you to the water because I can't help it. Frustrating about pretending you're not real. Um, well, be, then you have a robot or a, a cardboard cutout trying to help a human, and um, it just didn't work for me. And, you know, what's interesting is I, I went down two paths at the same time. I went down the clinical route because I had to, um, you know, follow the rules, and I was working in treatment centers, and I had my little DSM next to me. Um, and, and when I was working in that world, I felt like Clark Kent pushing the mail cart. And then when I came home uh, on, online, I was angry therapist. And that's where I got to do what I wanted or what I thought was honest to me. And that's when I felt like I had a cape on, you know, and that's what I decided to listen to. Uh, and that's when I ended up going down that path instead of down the, the clinical route. Now, tell us a little bit about you. What led you to want to be a therapist in the first place? Um, divorce. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was actually, um, my marriage was falling apart. And I was talking to my own therapist and I was, um, I was a screenwriter, but I was frustrated. It's very feast or famine in Hollywood. Um, my ex-wife was an actress, and she was doing very well. And I was frustrated with my career. I didn't know what to do. And I was talking to my therapist, and he said, "If you don't, if you can't make movies, if that's something that's an option, what what do you want to do?" And I said, "I want to do what you're doing. If I can't move people by the masses, I, I will do it one at a time." And I've always loved psychology, and I was always the the, the person in your in the group, my group of friends that people came to for advice. And so he said, "Go do it." And so next thing you know, I um, in my mid-30s, went back to school, got my master's, and it took me six years to get all those hours and go through that whole uh, training program, which was oh, frustrating. Oh, God, please but, don't talk about that frustrating time. You'll make my oh my, God. my skin crawl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you, you know what? You know I can remember walking, walking across the campus. I went to the University of Washington, and, yeah. oh, my God, five years, five years, you know, all the stuff oh, to get geez. the doctorate. Yeah, and I remember yeah. walking across one day being so depressed and so just kind of trudging along, and I went, will I ever get out of here? Will I ever finish? Right, right. And that's what I felt, and I realized everyone else felt that way, and you're left with a giant student loan. And, you know, oh, it, 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 don't it, talk it, about it, that now. <laughs> <laughs> but, that, but that's why I, I, I thought to myself there has to be a better way. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what is the better way for you What's the thing that makes the biggest difference now that you have cut loose the old school? And for those who don't know, John, just sketch out the rules that traditional therapists are supposed to play by. Um, you're supposed to uh, uh, be very neutral. Like you said, uh, be blank, a blank canvas. You're, you're not supposed to reveal too much about yourself. Um, and when, and when you know, your clients ask a little bit about you, you're supposed to uh, – put it back on them. <laughs> um, also, with the explosion of the Internet, um, I don't know what it's like now, but uh, the last time I heard, you're, you're still only supposed to see people in your own state. So as a therapist, I can only, uh, you know, via webcam, only see people in my own state. But it, it's, it's such a waste because, because of the Internet and technology, you should be able to, you're, you're a direct conduit into anyone's life in, anywhere in the world. And so it's super limiting. 
know, you're right about that in terms of limited. But the real limitation from my perspective, I was lucky enough to be trained by the person that created humanistic psychology. So you're supposed mm. to show up as a human being, Dr. Virginia Satir, as opposed yeah. to being the blank screen. So right. I just absolutely straight up got such a blessing in her because she was about as real as you could get. When we finished, I'll never forget this, when we finished a month-long residential training with her, living in a residence community for 30 days and 30 long, painful nights, the training wasn't about what we do with other people. It was about our own stuff and having to do it. At the end of it, we were all sitting there waiting for her to give us the final blessing and we said, okay, now, what do you want us to take out into the world? And she looked at us all. She said, now, remember, it takes shit to grow roses. <laughs> and that was her parting advice. Wow. <laughs> gives you a little taste of <laughs> the No, but I love it. <laughs> Can't get any more real than that, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you had that. That's, um, that's awesome that you actually had that experience, you know, uh, the, the, the humanistic side. Yeah, so what was it like for you as a therapist in a residential treatment center working with teenagers struggling with substance abuse? I know that was one of uh, yeah. the big big shaping experiences that you had. Yeah, you know, my idea of a therapist was, um, you know, to have my own office and those, those, uh, those little silver balls that bounce back and forth and, you know, walk into my office with my latte <laughs> and a shirt and tie. Um, yeah, and, and and the universe had a very different plan. The universe threw me into nonprofit, working with uh, underprivileged teenagers, um, you know, with no fathers, and they're all addicts. And I felt more like a camp counselor. But what was interesting was that whole experience um, taught me this idea of TC, therapeutic community, and rebuilding yourself through other people. And now, the power what is the therapeutic community? Because a lot of our folks may not know Modern Lovers. Hang in here because you're going to love hearing about therapeutic community. Sure. It uh, dates back to the 1800s, and it's kind of the foundation of um, you know, AA. It's the foundation of any community where uh, people are rebuilding themselves through others. So uh, even in, in churches or in, you know, even in fitness, it doesn't matter what, what the tribe is, but if, if the, the, the container is safe and people are all – um, sharpening each other and supporting each other, encouraging each other, then it's a, it's a therapeutic community. I love that. I love it that you yeah. included church and workouts because your therapeutic community could be you gathering, you know, your boys or your girls right. or right. your people, whoever your people are, and saying, you know, let's talk about it. Yeah, and because it's not just we about know, um, addiction. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, it's not just – you don't have to just be an addict to benefit from the therapeutic community. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. You know, one of the things that I know we're talking about old times now, being in grad school, being a woman of color, I found out there were only eight women of color in the graduate and professional schools. When I was going through schools, so I found the other seven women and said, we're all going to sit down together and talk about what it's like to be the mm-hmm. only one like us. And it was so helpful. The only rule I gave is that we are not here to go negative. We're here to lift each other up. Right. And to that day, those women are still my friends. I love it. Yeah, I mean, it shows you the power of tribes and the, the, the kind of glue it produces. So for people who are feeling that it's hard 
to find the love or create the love or you're struggling with something in your life, I want to encourage you to follow the model that John Kim just described, the model I just described of finding people like me struggling with what I was struggling with back in the day. Do that for yourself. Or if you know of a group that's forming their meetups everywhere, there are online groups. I don't care what you're dealing with. You're going to find it online. And nothing wrong with an online group, but I'll tell you, I think there's a little more energy if you actually meet people in person. Mm -hmm. Do this for yourself. Make your own community. So, John, tell us a few of your experiences when you were working with those kids in the substance abuse treatment. Yeah, for sure. Um, one of the things that I've learned is that we live in a fatherless nation. That means that dad is either um, um, physically not home or emotionally not home. And so we, I had these teenagers, and then, you know, the, the the girls were standing too close. They didn't have boundaries, and the boys were mimicking everything I did. And uh, I think that we just live in a world where, because, uh, because of that, um, you know, definitions of man is blurry and confusing and. Um, you know, we're talking about when, when you talk about relationships, um, women getting into uh, relationships with men um, that are unhealthy or that are toxic or that are, you know, that whole thing. Wow. You said we live in a fatherless nation. That is a very powerful statement. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I treated hundreds of – it's not like, you know, I treated seven kids. I treated hundreds of kids, and that was the common thread. Um, when I pulled back, I noticed that no one really has fathers. Right, and those fathers that disappeared, I'll guarantee you, didn't have fathers either. Exactly. That's the thing is it's, uh, it's trans- transmissional, you know, generational. Absolutely. That's right, generation to generation. So for those kids, what was the turning point for them? What did you find really worked for them? Well, so this idea of a safe container, and this is what my book's about, is I uh, created this concept that uh, we have this container, and that's our life space, and if our container is cracked, then growth is stunted, and if our container is safe, then growth is, is organic, and it's promoted. You know, we're evolving curious creatures. So, for example, if you are in a relationship where, you know, it's abusive, that's a cracked container. You know, if you're doing heroin, that's a cracked container. Um, but the good news is I think that, uh, and this is what I did for myself, is you, we can build ourselves a brand new container. Mm, and that's, now that's how? what I did. How do you go about that when you say well, that, we can build a new container? And, and the image of the crack container is powerful mm. because by now everybody knows that everything is energy. I don't care what yeah. it is, it's energy. What happens between people, feelings, your words, your thoughts, it's all energy. And if it's in a container where it's safe, as in you are putting out energy that's safe and others can receive it, then you're saying this is the space in which people can heal. Yeah, absolutely. Well, not only heal, but thrive. Yeah, yeah, healing and thriving. I kind of put those two together. For me, they're kind of one and the same I think right. we're and always it, it, evolving, healing, thriving. It, it's right. for me feels like one big, like the garden keeps growing. Or yes. if it's not safe, the garden's going to dry up. Yes, so or the are you continuous crack? Yeah. Yeah. So how do you create a safe container for yourself? How did you do that? So, so there's a uh, you know there's three. This is what my book's about. There's three different stages, and the first, the beginning is. Um, to be transparent, to be vulnerable, to actually be honest, not only with other people, but yourself. I think that everything's built on truth. And if you can't be honest, you're slippery. There's nothing to to build on. 
Um, and then you've got to be uh, pulled from your solid self. I think we all have a pseudo side and we all have a solid side. And, uh, you know, the pseudo now, side de- is... Now, define what that means. What, what's the pseudo side? What's pseudo the solid is a, side? Yeah, the pseudo is the side of you that seeks um, approval, validation. It's the side of you that has been um, brainwashed by advertising and other people's blueprints, society. Um, it's the side that wants to exchange your truth for membership. Your solid side of your is your authentic self. That's your true you. But unfortunately, your solid side is the is the whis- usually the whisper. You know, it's the side that we actually ignore uh, because of fear and insecurity. And so we pull from our pseudo side, and and so we end up being someone that we're we're kind of not. We end up walking with veneers and and um, and not being authentically and uniquely us. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think our potency, and I think our container being safe, is when we are pulling from our solid side, not from not from our pseudo. Yeah, and for a lot of people, they don't know the difference yet. Yeah, isn't this the real me, the me that has to be covered up all the time? Isn't this the real me, the one that's hiding right. out or drugged out or whatever it is that's a coping strategy? So, how do you help people? Give us an example, maybe, of someone that you helped who was able to recognize the pseudo side versus the solid side, because I'll bet you've got some good stories in the book. Why don't you tell us one? Yeah, sure. Um, I asked them to uh, play and out John, what it And, John, do me a favor. Look- Can you sure. speak a little closer to your mic? It sounds like I'm losing you a little bit. Oh, really? Okay, sorry. Um, can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. I, I asked them to play out what it, uh, what it looks like to uh, pull from their solid self. And I think it's something that they, they don't visualize often because we're on autopilot and our knee jerk is to be uh, pseudo or to maneuver, uh, you know, through, with fear. And when they start uh, telling me that story, uh, then they get excited because they, they see another path. They see hope. They see a, a different option of being. And, and with Can you that, tell you know, us a specific story or an example of a person that you worked with where you could get to that? Oh man, I have so many. Um, off the top of my head, I I would say there was a person who. Um, oh, here's one. There's a person recently who, uh, and this is a relationship uh, in, under the relationship category. Um, his wife, uh, after a year of marriage, uh, decided wanted to leave him um, because chemistry changed. And mm-hmm. so here here's a guy, and and you know the, that's the worst because there's nothing you can do about that. It's not like he did something wrong and they they could work on it. Um, she just wasn't attracted to him anymore. And so his his pseudo side would be to um, you know do every be the yes guy and do everything he can to to beg her to stay and to put her on a pedestal and all this. And what that does is that just makes it worse. Uh, the solid self is to um, be move on with his life and um, pursue you know what he wants to pursue, be the best version of him. And it, and if she you know suddenly is attracted to that, then that there's a chance it could work. Uh, and if she's not, that's that's okay too, you know? Yeah, and see, I would jump in here with my uh, experience with couples, and I would go into what fear had been activated for her during Mm -hmm. that first year of marriage that she wasn't able to be vulnerable anymore because when attraction just suddenly disappears, I found in my own experience that often, in addition to what you're saying about person really needs to be their authentic self, that's where the juice is, your juiciest self is your authentic self, and your most (laughs) attractive self is going to be that authentic self. But for her, I would definitely want to know what she's afraid of because it sounds like uh, there is some vulnerability issue here for her. 
and suddenly she just shut down. Now, sure. and it's going to help if he's authentic, but it sounds like there's some work here for her to get authentic around Absolutely. also. Yeah, and I love that you said that because, you know, a lot of times chemistry and everything on the, you know, we look for superficial uh, solutions that are on the surface. And, and when you talk about uh, fear of vulnerability, that just, you know, that just goes right to the core. Yeah, and let me just say this, everybody. I know you all by now are aware that we are afraid of vulnerability because we tend to think of it as weakness. The truth. Yeah is vulnerability is strength. It takes courage. It takes some serious, serious, serious heart muscle to be vulnerable because it means you have enough confidence in yourself. You have enough belief in love and belief in connecting with your own humanity to put that out to somebody else. And if they can't, pick it up. Trust me, there are a lot of people out here doing this work, the work that John Kim is talking about. And I love this work about being authentic and being transparent. It certainly makes a love relationship very, very hot when you've got two authentic people in it. And John, for you, when you do see people face-to-face versus online, what's the difference? What's it like to have the online practice? Um, you know, the, I, I think in-person will always be the best, right? I think you just mentioned that today, too. Um, seeing, there's nothing more um, real than, than having someone right in front of you. But I think because of the advancement of technology, when I first started seven years ago, um, you know, people were still on dial-up and on webcam. They looked robotic, and it was kind of tough to see, you know, every facial expression. But now, I mean, with FaceTime and Skype and all this stuff, you can it's, – it's, it's so crystal clear – that um, it's just as effective, I think, as as, uh, as, in, as in person, as uh, using webcams mm-hmm. and phone. I agree and with you. What, and my personal it, favorite is actually Zoom. You know, there are lots oh, of yeah, technologies well, yeah. out is, there, but Zoom boy, I get a nice, crisp, clear sound and yeah. picture there. So one of the things that is important is you talk about feeling being the birthplace of change. Say more about that. I think a lot of people, um, we, we, we don't acknowledge or we don't um, welcome what we feel. We, we push it away. And, again, this kind of goes under, you know, the vulnerability piece, um, you know, thinking that if we feel a certain way that it's a weakness and that we need to, you know, quote, unquote, man up or, um, you know, not feel. And by doing that, um, you, you, you don't have anything to work off of, you know, and, and your truth is always going to be in how you feel. It doesn't mean to react from that feeling, but to know how you feel is is kind of the beginning of everything. Mm. So if you don't know what you feel, then that leads you back in that place where your pseudo-self is working. Yeah, absolutely. We all as human beings um, have have feelings, (laughs) you know. Yeah. Okay, so John, I'm going to put you to the test. I have another Ask Dr. Brenda question. Let's you and I picket this one together, okay? This person writes in, uh, Dear Dr. Brenda, uh, my wife and I have been married for seven years. It's been rocky since year two. She's a great mother to our kids, especially the one who's medically challenged. We've broken up twice so far. We're back together now. But because of my job, we live in different states. Bottom line, I'm not sure this is the right relationship for me anymore. She's in school full-time. I work a ton of overtime. We don't live in the same state. We've got two households. 
And she said she'd rather me work. She said she would rather me work and not see her so that everything gets paid. I think she's more about money than marriage. What do you think? Okay, what do you think, John? Uh, did he did he say they don't live in the same state? Right. Right. Yeah. So I so the I don't <laughs> that to me that's the big red flag is how do you um and you know I I I'm a believer that anything is possible depending on on the work that people put into it but when you have something that's long distance and it's a marriage how do you stay connected? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and I that's. To me, that's swimming up river. To me, that's um, because a lot of the intimate and, and, and knowing someone, and we're talking about vulnerability and transparency and all that stuff, that comes in daily interaction, connection, and that, that closeness you have. If someone's in a different state, um, it doesn't matter how great their, their picture is on their webcam. Um, it's just – it's a whole different – how do you, you – know, how do you – how do you make that relationship happen? I don't know. Yeah, that, so that here, let me, let me jump into this. I appreciate you flagging the challenges of being in a long-distance marriage relationship. Uh, and you're right. It is hard to, to really build that intimacy. What I know is something like 37% of modern couples are facing uh, this guy signs off unhappy in Tucson. Uh, 37% of couples who are having a modern relationship are global mobile in a fast-paced mobile world just like you unhappy in Mm -hmm. tucson and some of the things i suggest are what john was talking about a few minutes ago you get the webcam but you also make sure that even if you have to meet in the middle you do have weekends together you do make sure that you make that extra effort to arrange your schedule so you have work from home day on Friday, you leave Thursday night, get your butt home, and make sure you have that face time with one another. Yes, it's going to take extra energy. Now, the other option, I'm going to put this on the table right up front, is you're going to have to think about a way If you're saying she's more about money than marriage, then put that shoe on your foot unhappy in Tucson, and ask yourself, how do I put my marriage first? Do I bring my family here? What do I need to do? Your wife is being practical. You've got a child with medical issues, you say here in your letter, and she's saying we've got to pay these bills. Maybe you are the one who needs to say, I'm more about my marriage than money. Let's find a way. Okay, so that's my advice. You've got John's advice. You've got to stay connected. And we wish you good luck, unhappy. So, John, you get to leave us with the last word. What would you like to share with people from the angry therapist? And, John, what is your website so we can send people there? Uh, my website, uh, there's two. There's theangrytherapist.com, and then there's shift, S-H-F-T, without the I, shift.us. Shit. Shift, excuse me, shift. It's um, it's uh, we have a, a life coaching certification program, and that's our community. Um, so okay, uh, and the book, us, everybody, yeah. is called The Angry Therapist. That is the brand new book from John Kim, and I want you to go and get it because you need to hear some straightforward, no BS advice. I love yeah. that, the angry therapist. Okay. So, last bit of advice. Or, uh-huh. Yes. Um, I would say the big thing, the, the, the flag that I would wave as we end is to trust your story. I think so many people 
want to rip out chapters because things have happened. It's lined with shame and guilt. And by doing that, you are turning yourself invisible. You have to embrace and, uh, and, and trust your story and share it. That's what makes you um, bigger than you. Oh, my God, yes. I couldn't agree with you yeah. more. Your story yeah. is your gold. I was working with yes. somebody recently who was ashamed of the fact yeah. that she'd been on welfare. And guess what she does for a living now? She is a wealth creator. And I nice. said, are you kidding me? Welfare to wealth? What a story. We're actually going to have her <laughs> as a guest on our radio show soon. That's so, everybody, amazing. big thank you. John Kim, the angry therapist, so happy to have you with us. Thank you to our producer, Mr. LeGrand Green, our associate producer, Mr. Cliff Dunning. Coming up on May 2nd, Shamin Ajin, who is going to talk about ditching the dating game. And on May 9th, we have Marcy Shimoff talking about happy for no reason. And Marcy is again our special guest on May 13th for our live full-day training here in San Francisco, and it's all about modern love. How do you create happiness in a modern love relationship? And this is for anybody, I don't care what color, what age, where you are in the LGBTQ spectrum, we are here for you, and we want you to have a great love life. All right, modern lovers, good night, blessings, be with you again next week. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.